today. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand this morning and uh, let's open up in a word of prayer. Sure glad uh, that you are here. Just had a couple of quick announcements. Of course, the bulletins for the month of January uh, will be coming out uh, today, so make sure that you grab uh, one of those. And uh, just very, very quickly wanted to mention this. Our churchwide outreach is Saturday, January the 13th, so make sure that you're aware of that. And then also the last day to sign up for the couples retreat in February is today. So if any of our married couples would like to go to that, make sure that you sign up for that. It's out there in the outer foyer right after the service today. You can do that. And then lastly, in the bulletin, there is a mention there on the page there for the directory update and things like that. And so if you're You've moved uh, or changed addresses or you're a new member or anything like that. Make sure that you sign up for that uh, so that way we've got you uh, in there. And, uh, of course, with things like snow and stuff like that, it's good to know uh, what's going on here at, at the church and things like that. Sure glad that you are here this morning. want to welcome you to our morning services. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask Brother, Our, uh, Brother Alan Quinlan if you would open us in a word of prayer this morning. Amen. I ask you to remain standing. Let's turn to page 221. Page number 221, how firm a foundation. We'll sing all verses together this morning. Page 221, sing it out on that first verse. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you? said to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled in every condition in sickness and health in poverty's veil or abounding in wealth at home and abroad on the land on the sea as your days may demand May your strength ever be When through fiery trials My pathway shall lie My grace all sufficient Shall be thy supply The flame shall not hurt thee I only design Thy dross to consume And thy gold to refine in down to old age all my people shall prove my sovereign eternal unchangeable love and when whitened hairs shall their temples adorn like lambs shall thy still in my bosom be born 
Fear not, I am with thee, oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God, and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. If you're thankful for that promise, say amen this morning. Page number 293 will be our next song. Page number 293. Since Jesus came into my heart, singing one, two, three, and five this morning. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul, like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart. I have ceased from my wandering and going astray, since Jesus came into my heart. And my sins, which were many, are all washed away, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul, like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart. Let's get around and shake hands together this morning. Good day to each one here. Thankful for those of you that are visiting with us. We're glad you're here this morning.
page 293. We're going to start on verse number four. There's a light in the valley of death now for me. Sing it out. There's a light in the valley of death now for me since Jesus came into my heart. And the gates of the city beyond I can see since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. Sing it out in the last. I shall go there to dwell in that city I know. Since Jesus came into my heart. And I'm happy, so happy as onward I go. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Tim. As the men come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. He says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Brother Will, would you pray for the offering this morning? You may be seated. If you're thankful for the grace of God, say amen this morning. Praise the Lord. Let's stand one last time. Turn to page 300, or 232. Page 232, grace that is greater than our sin. Page 232, sing it out together on the first. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled Grace, grace, 
your sin sin and despair like the sea waves cold threaten the soul with infinite loss grace that is greater yet grace untold points to the refuge the mighty cross grace grace god's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace grace god's grace grace that is greater than all our sin dark is the stain that we cannot hide what shall avail to wash it away look there is flowing a crimson tide whiter than snow you may be today grace grace god's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace grace god's grace grace that is greater than all our sin marvelous infinite matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believe all who are longing to see his face will you this moment his grace receive grace grace god's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace grace god's grace grace that is greater than all our sin we're going to sing the last verse again if you're here this morning and you don't know christ as your savior this song needs to speak to you this morning because god's grace is greater than anything you could have done wrong and he will save you this morning if you call on his name we need to sing that last verse again that verse says it's free you don't have to pay anything for it he did it all for you amen it's free and for those of you that know christ as your savior it was free and you need to be thankful for it this morning. Let's sing it out. We're going to go a cappella on that chorus and just let the people of God sing this morning. Sing out on that last verse. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believe, all who are longing to see His face. Will you this moment His grace receive? Grace, 
grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. If you're thankful for God's grace, say amen this morning. Wonderful singing. You may be seated. Just before the message this morning, Mrs. Watson is going to come and sing a song called Redeeming Love. Redeeming love 
I'm sure glad God loves us, don't you? Man, what a blessing that is. I was actually uh, uh, just spending some time in, in, in prayer uh, yesterday and, and thinking about that. And, and sometimes as a father, you, you watch your kids interact and it just uh, makes your heart about pop out of your chest, you know. And, and, uh, and, then I, and then I started thinking about our great God and how much He loves us. And oh, my soul, I'm telling you, I'm sure glad you, but, well, God, listen, but God commendeth His love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm telling you, He loves you and me today. And uh, what a blessing uh, that is. Well, uh, we're in the Gospel of Luke this morning. And, and going through, uh, have been in our morning services uh, for a little bit of time here. We've started uh, back uh, in 2023. And uh, here we are now, starting 24. Amen. And uh, we, uh, I'm, I'm very thankful we kind of went right through uh, Christmas time, uh, looking at the birth of our Savior and uh, the manger scene and the shepherds and, and all of those things. Uh, and uh, then uh, last week we started, uh, we saw where the Lord Jesus Christ is brought into the temple as a, as a baby. In fact, we saw uh, that very uh, idea of redeeming love, amen. Uh, that as Joseph and, and Mary brought him to the temple according to the law of Moses to redeem him uh, as their firstborn uh, child uh, to redeem him, uh, we know this, that Simeon would, would take him up in his arms and to, to show that he is God's redemption for all of mankind. And uh, just an amazing thing there. No, no doubt as the Son of God would be brought into the temple of God something special would have to happen, right? And, and certainly it did. And we know this, that one of the themes has been this, going throughout those, those things that, that Luke's gospel records about the birth and, and even the childhood of Christ, uh, that he, he records things that the other gospels do not. That there's something else that's been unique about each of those scenes, and that is this, is that something special happens, and then Joseph and Mary, it says this, that it says something along this. They would ponder those things in their hearts. And that's the idea to say this. There's something special about this, this child. Well, that's because there is. This is God's son. No, no doubt uh, about it. We're going to see something similar to that in our text this morning. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And if you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand in honor of God's word this morning. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 39 here. And we're going to see where Jesus, as a 12-year-old boy, is left at the temple for three days and three nights, and he doesn't panic. That's pretty unique. No police were called. No Amber Alert was sent out. Look at verse number 39. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord... They, talking about Joseph and Mary, of course the child Jesus returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew, waxed strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom. No, notice this, the grace of God was upon him. Look at verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the, Passover, at the feast of the Passover and when he was 12 years old, they went up, and went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, 
the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. Can you imagine how fast that trek was? And how worried they, they were? I mean, listen, because you, you got to understand this. They've not just lost their son. They've lost God's son. I'm just, I'm just saying. Now, we know the end, and so it's okay to laugh. But I'm just got to think, they weren't laughing on that trek back. A three-day trip probably turned into about a day and a half all-nighter. You know what I'm saying? All right, so, so notice this. All right, verse 45. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. Verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, still at church, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Well, after all, the Word of God was made flesh, dwelt among us. And they, when they saw him, verse 48, and when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? You almost got us in trouble with God, boy. <laughs> Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I, wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Now, isn't that amazing? He understands, but they don't. Watch this. And he went down with them to Nazareth, and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. And here it is again. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Do you know this? Luke's gospel not only records this event in his gospel alone, but listen to this. He pins down the very first words of our Savior in verse 49. As a 12-year-old boy, while, is it, while it is a strange thing that he wasn't panicking, that he had been left behind, it is even stranger that he asked why his mother and, and father, why his parents would be looking for him, for he was already about his father's business. In the end, the Lord would return home with Joseph and Mary until his appointed time to be revealed to Israel and even to the world as a Messiah. But here's the message to us this morning. If the Lord Jesus was chomping at the bit as a 12-year-old boy to be about his father's business, then shouldn't we? How much more? You, you understand that the father's business was metaphoric. It was talking about his purpose, his plan. And in the same sense, we need to be about the father's business. His purpose and his plan, not just for us, but, but even for those that need to be saved. 
That, that's the idea here. And so that's, that, that's really the message to you and I th- this morning. Are you about the, the Father's business in, in your life? Some pretty unique things here we're going to see. Father, would you bless the preaching now? In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Why don't you be seated this morning? sure appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. One thing I know for sure about this passage this morning is this, is that Natalie and I cannot be too critical of Joseph and Mary in this scene. The reason is, listen, there's a reason why, and and I don't know if you've ever been to maybe meetings like there at Heartland Baptist Bible College or things like that, but there's a reason why we go to these different preachers' meetings, and at the end of the meeting, there's a reminder to pick up your children from the nursery. We are those parents that need that reminder. Amen. We have left our kids at church by accident so much that both they and us no longer panic. When I was pastoring in Cassville, Missouri, I remember we were heading over, uh, our son was outside playing on the playground with some of the other kids, and, and we were heading over to the Pizza Hut after the service that Sunday night. We had a guest preacher there, and so we were going to take them out for, for supper, and we, were, we had walked into the restaurant there, and we were waiting on our seat. And about that time, my phone rang, and I looked down, and it was my right-hand man, Brother Anthony Lilden, and he called I answered the phone and I said, hey brother, what's going on? He said, hey preacher, I just want to let you know, we got Luke with us. And I went, oh great, because we didn't even know we left him. We both started laughing about that. Do you know this? I've even left him and Taylor both here at this church as the pastor here. I was supposed to bring the, home, the kids home after some event that, that we had here at church. I can't remember. I drove all the way to Lenexa where we were living at the time I walked in. And, and Natalie was sitting there on the couch and looked at me and said, where's the kids? I didn't even say anything. I turned right around, walked out the door, got in the truck and drove back to the church. Because she knew and I knew what had happened. I got into the church and I don't even think they knew that I had left. They, weren't in, they, weren't, they were not sitting around the doctors either asking questions and things like that. They were in the gym playing. and Anyways, I told them that I left them and they were like, eh, that's happened before. I do remember the first time, though, that this, this sort of kind of happened. Luke was just a little guy. He was a little, small little fella. And he had fallen asleep in the pew during the church service on a Sunday night or Wednesday night. I, I can't remember which one it was. And we didn't have any children's things or anything like that in the evening service. And so, you know, those little guys, you know, three and four years old, it's kind of hard for them. They're, they're learning how to be in big church and... And, and almost sometimes as parents, we hope they fall asleep. Amen. Because then they'll quit wiggling and fidgeting and doing all the other things. And so he had fallen asleep. Well, like any other service, we had come out. You know, we were at the back and we were shaking hands. We forgot all about him. And, you know, we had walked in and, and uh, turned off all the lights. And we were actually standing in the foyer just outside there. And here comes Luke walking out. And he's rubbing his eyes and crying and said, I thought you guys had left us. And we laughed then too. Everything was all right. Now let me tell you why I'm telling you all of this this morning. Well, number one, if this has ever happened to you as a mom or a dad, then know this, you may have failed as a parent, but there's still a chance that your kids will turn out okay and not resent you for it later on. But two, typically when this happens, and especially the first time, 
the response is both that the kids and the parents panic greatly. Can you imagine three days? All right. So you understand rightly so, the parents are panicking in this scene, but Jesus Christ is not. And, and again, this shows you that this is no ordinary child. I want you to call your attention there to verses 39 through verse 42 there because it really gives us some important information about what is going to take place in our scene here. Look at verse 39. It says, And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And so Joseph and Mary have now made their residence in Nazareth, which is actually about 90 miles, just so you know, it's 90 miles from the city of Jerusalem. This would obviously be after the birth in Bethlehem. And of course, the presentation that would happen in the previous scene there in the temple after he's only eight days old. But then it would also be after the fleeing down uh, into Egypt as a small child uh, from Matthew's gospel. And so they now reside uh, in Nazareth. And the child Jesus uh, has continued to grow physically, but also spiritually. Verse 40 tells us that the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit, uh, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And, and so we, though it's not mentioned here, Joseph and Mary have, by now, they've been officially married. We, we, would, we would assume that. It's also most likely that they now have other children. Okay? The difference is, and please listen to this, Mary was not a perpetual virgin. All right? We, we understand that is false doctrine from Catholicism. That's not Bible. All right? Because the Gospels show us that Jesus had half-brothers and half-sisters, the difference is, is that where their father was obviously Joseph, an earthly man, Jesus, his father, is God. All right, but here's the point. There was an obvious difference between Jesus and the other children. All right, we would understand that, that not only were they, you know, they were from their earthly father, Joseph, and carried about the seed of man, which means this, they also had the sin nature. Jesus did not. He knew no sin. So, so we would understand that, but also certainly we find something very extraordinary going on here at the temple once again. But this is what I thought about. How would you like to be in that household? And every time you messed up, your mom looked at you and said, why can't you be more like Jesus? You understand what I'm saying? But also notice verse number 41. It says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover and so as we saw from our scene last week, Joseph and Mary were once again obedient to the Word of God. And they had their children in the house of God. Somebody say amen. They were observing the feast of the Passover that celebrates God's deliverance of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. If you go back to the story in Exodus, this is when he flew over and he killed all of the firstborn of men and of beasts, unless you had the spotless blood of lamb, uh, the blood of a lamb, a spotless lamb on your doorpost. And then, if he saw the blood, he passed over you. Meaning this, he did not execute his judgment on that house. 
You understand that's a tremendous picture of our Jesus Christ, amen. When his blood is applied to us, we escape the judgment of God. Somebody say amen. But then look at verse number, uh, verse number 42 there. It says that when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And, and so here we, we are told that the Lord Jesus was, was 12 years old at the time that what's going to happen here in, in the following verses, it's going to take place. And so verse 43, all the way down to the end of the chapter, is Jesus staying behind in Jerusalem after the Passover here in giving us this tremendous lesson about being about the, the Father's business. I want to call your attention to verse 49, just quickly with me. Look at this really quickly. What, just trying to point out some things here that are unique here. But look at verse 49. He said unto them, so this is Jesus talking to Joseph and Mary after they rushed back to the temple. And they find him in the temple. And he said unto them, now watch this. He says, how is it that ye sought me? You ever thought about that? How is it that ye sought, that ye sought me? I want you to notice that word sought right there. That word sought. It's to seek after. You, you understand? Watch this. Please catch this. That's the same Greek word that's found in Luke 19.10. When Jesus states his purpose to Zacchaeus, and it's really the theme of the entire Gospel of Luke, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. How is it that you sought me? Man. And in the very next statement, Jesus says to his parents, Wish ye not that I, was about my, I must be about my Father's business. Put your thinking caps on here for a minute. Can you not see a little bit of a play in words? How is it that you sought me? Wished you not that I must be about my father's business? How is it that you sought me? Don't, don't you know that I'm to be about seeking and to save that which is lost? Is anybody catching this? What, what he's saying is this, is that as they're coming to him and, and seeking after him, He's saying, why are you coming to seek after me? Because I am about my Father's business. I am about, my, I'm, I am about His purpose and His plan for my life, which is to seek and to save that which was lost. And what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is this, and that's really the lesson for you and for me, and that is this, is that, that this is what the Father's business was for Him. And so therefore, that should be the Father's business for us. And if he was all about uh, seeking to fulfill that, then we should be anxious in and of ourselves to fulfill that as well. What a tremendous lesson here. Tremendous lesson here. I think it would be prudent if we could here this morning that before we get started, let's not get the cart before the horse. In other words, first things are first. Let, let me say it to you like this. There's no sense in concerning ourselves in being about the Father's business if we haven't been saved and we're still lost. Come on, you, you understand? Salvation is the Father's business. It is the Father's business. It's why Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. But my friend, if you're here this morning and there's never been a time and place where you humbled yourself and realized you were a sinner and that you called upon the Lord to save you, then you are lost. And there's no sense in wrapping yourself up 
in being concerned about the Father's business when really it's the Father's business to save you. Be kind of hypocritical, wouldn't it? Be worried about the souls of men when you ain't even dealt with your own soul the way that God said to. You'd be kind of like those people that showed up at my house one time and wanted to sell me an expensive vacuum cleaner, but they hadn't even bought one themselves. Expensive vacuum cleaners. $2,000 vacuum cleaners. Really? We're germaphobes, aren't we? I'll never forget, man. We had, you know, we had, a, we, had a, we had a group come by one time. My wife called me at the office. She said, hey, called me in the morning and said, hey, there's some people that knocked on the door. They're trying to sell us one of them expensive vacuum cleaners. We're not going for that one again. I said, okay. She said, but they said they would clean all of our floors and our carpets if I just listened to their spiel. And would you, you, you okay with that? And I said, I don't care. That's your problem. Not mine. And you know what I did? I stayed at the office as long as I could that day. And I got home that night, and guess who was still at my house? People trying to sell my wife an expensive vacuum cleaner. And I was not happy, and I came in, and I'm hungry, and I'm tired, and I'm ready for those people to leave. And they're cleaning those carpets and talking to my wife and me about all these expenses. And I looked at that lady, and I said, let me ask you something, ma'am. I said, do you have one of these? And she said, oh, no, they're too expensive for me. I said, exactly. Now get out of my house so I can eat my supper. You know, why, listen to me. Why would I invest in something that they haven't even thought it worthy to invest themselves into? And what I'm trying to get across to you is this. It's the same way with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I have no business being concerned with the souls of men out there when it's your soul that stands in jeopardy of the judgment of God. And I'm telling you, my friend, you've got to look back to this and, and realize that everything that's happening here all points to Jesus Christ and that He is the only way to be saved. Even the Passover right here, it speaks of the judgment of God, but the only way to escape judgment is through the blood of a lamb. And it's Jesus Christ that's going to come in the, on the scene in the very next chapter, and John the Baptist is going to say, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. You understand Christ would come, friend, to redeem us from all of our sin. He would be given once and for all, for all of mankind. And so now all man has to do is to realize he's a sinner and who he is before God and that the judgment of God and the wrath of God abideth on him already, but that he can humble himself and call upon Jesus Christ and Christ can forgive him and save him right where he is at. My friend, I'm telling you, if you can't go back in your mind's eye to a time and a place where you realize who you were and who, who God is, and you call upon the name of the Lord, then you need to be saved today. You need to be saved today. Listen, it is as simple, and I love Romans 10, 9, and 10. We quote that one all the time. And man, what a great, that, that is how simple it is to be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It is so simple. You know why it's difficult for men? Because it requires us to set aside our pride. My friend, I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, 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 if there's never been a time and place where you've called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, today needs to be the day of salvation. And then listen to this. Once, once you are saved, the greatest thing you could ever do with your life is be wrapped up in the Father's business. Become a disciple of Jesus Christ. To follow His Word and His plan for your life. To be concerned for the souls of men. To be involved in ministry. To live for Him and to serve Him. 
I underlined this in my notes, and so please get this one this morning. The two greatest mistakes mankind make are these. Number one, they reject Jesus Christ as their Savior. But you know what the second thing is? The second thing is this. They view the Father's business in a negative light. The greatest decision outside of salvation that a Christian can make is this, die to self. It's to die to self. Because the Father's business is where the real joy is at. The Father's business is where the blessings of God are at. The Father's business is where the satisfaction of life is truly at. Look at, look, look at verse 40. Look at verse 40 of our text. And the child grew and waxed strong in the Spirit, filled with wisdom, the grace of God. The grace of God was upon him. You understand, if you want to walk strong in the Spirit, be filled with His wisdom and have the grace of God upon your life. No, no, no. I realize this is Jesus Christ. And He's unique in that He's God manifest in the flesh. But you understand, we can still have some of this. And if you want a taste of this, the greatest thing that you can do is submit your life to being about the Father's business. Being about the Father's business. But with Jesus Christ in this scene, it's pretty interesting. Because really what He does is He kind of shows us some more requirements that there is. To being about the Father's business. I want you to look with me at verse number 42 once again this morning. And let me give you some things here from this being about our Father's business. Now, number one, look at verse 42. And when He was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Listen to this. If we're to be about our Father's business, then the first thing we need to do is remove the excuse of age. Do you know, and probably the two, I don't know for sure, but I would venture to say that some of the most common excuses God's people give today as to why they cannot serve God is either they're too old or they're too young. Now, I realize... That, that in between the older generation and the younger generation is the people that are too busy. But, but I, you, you understand, please, please listen to this. It doesn't matter what your situation is, and it doesn't matter what your age is. The, the Father's business ought to be a priority in your life and in mine if you're saved this morning. And Jesus Christ, being a 12-year-old boy in this scene, it shows us this. Listen, the Bible knows nothing of being too old or too young to serve God. Do you, do you know this? David was a teenager when he slew Goliath. Daniel was a teenager when he was taken captive to Babylon and said, I'm not going to partake of the king's meat and wine. God used him and exalted him greatly because of that. Somebody say amen. Jo, uh, Josiah was made king of Judah at eight years old, and he chose to do that which was right in the sight of the Lord. I'm just telling you, you're not too young here to, 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 to make some decisions about the things of God. And by the way, on the other side of that, on the other side of that, Moses was 80. When God called him to lead Israel out of Egypt, 80 was the new 50 back then, I didn't. Some of the greatest accomplishments of men, both in the secular and spiritual realm, took place in their 60s and 70s. Listen, I, I realize as people get older, physical limitations can put a limit on what we can do for the Lord. 
But listen to me this morning. You can still do something to be about the Father's business. I have often said this as the pastor of Faith Baptist Church. I'm so grateful that God called me to. God called me here when he did. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons why was because I got to know a lot of the older generation that was in this church before God called a lot of them home. And I'm very, I'm very grateful for that. We were having our basketball game uh, and volleyball game uh, Friday night, and Brother Hanks and I were standing there uh, by the gymnasium at the picture of Brother Watson there, and I, and, I, and I even expressed to him, I'm so grateful I got to know him before the Lord called him home. I was thinking about Howard and Eleanor Quinlan and Brother Quinlan being in the being in the being in the assisted living and still leading people to Jesus Christ. The one of the first ones I met was Miss uh, Elda Fought. And she was the last living charter member of Faith Baptist Church and it was actually Brother Blue that was taking me over there. And I'm going to tell you something, I was so stinking nervous to go meet Miss Elda Fought. You know why? Because everybody kept coming up and telling me, oh, that woman prays. And if you get on her bad side, and she's praying against you, you're going to die. And I got all this pressure on me to go, oh, she likes me. I had to turn on what my son calls the stinkle, the Stuart twinkle. I go in there. I'm just nervous, man. And she, she's from Arkansas, got that southern accent, and I started out with mine. We clicked. <laughs> Man, what a woman of faith, too. I remember talking about finding, they found Faith Baptist Church, and it, out on the front sign it said, Independent, Fundamental, King James Only, all the Baptists, all, and she said, that's the church for us. Yeah, I like it. No wonder she had power with God. Because she knew what she believed and why she believed it, she prayed. Now listen, listen to me. Here's a woman that couldn't come to church anymore. But she could still pray. Don't, li- listen, you may be sitting here this morning and say, Preacher, you don't understand. My body, it ain't what it should be. And, 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 and there, Listen, I can't teach a Sunday school class anymore. I can't, I can't come to outreach anymore. I can't, I can't be in the Father's business anymore. Listen to me. You can still pray. And the last time I checked, we don't need less prayer. We need more people praying. We need more people seeking the face of Almighty God and asking His presence and His power to show up in our services and to work in the hearts and lives of God's people. Listen to me this morning. Listen, we need people to pray. Don't sit here this morning and say, well, I'm too old and I can't do anything for God. No, my friend, that's not in the Bible. Retirement from the things of God and the Father's business, that's not in the Word of God. You can still do something for God's Word. You can still do something in the kingdom of God. But in our text, this wasn't about being too old. This was about being too young. And Jesus gives an example of that as well. Listen, did you notice that Jesus wasn't sleeping in the temple because he stayed up too late the night before playing video games? Young people, this is the part where you need to listen. He wasn't, did you notice, he wasn't in the youth group only talking to the cool kids while he made fun of the other kids that were there. Look at verses 46 and 47. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished 
at his understanding and his answers. Jesus was in the midst of what it says the doctors, which would have been the scholars and the theologians, listening to them and asking questions and even answering them. Because it says they were astonished. They were astonished that a 12-year-old boy could, could, could give these answers. And again, it's because the Word had been made flesh and was sitting right among them. But here's the point. As a 12-year-old boy, Jesus was about His Father's business. He was in the Word. He was growing spiritually. He took the things of God seriously in His life. And young people, please listen to this. This is what you need to be doing Listen, listen, please get, please get this. Doctrine isn't just for mom and dad. Well, you know, glad mom and dad know what they believe and why they believe it. Why don't you learn what you believe and why you believe it? Doctrine isn't just for mom and dad. Witnessing and loving the lost isn't just for mom and dad. Please listen to this. Preaching and responding to the things of God on an old-fashioned altar, that's not just for the adults in Faith Baptist Church. It's for young people. And until you stop making excuses to justify your spiritual complacency, you'll not be about the Father's business, young people. Please listen to this. Remove the excuses. Young or old this morning, remove the excuses. The sooner that you do it, the, the, the sooner that you do it, the better. And here's why. Because one, the devil isn't just after the preacher and his family. Not just after the adults in this room either. He's after our young people. And when you're, listen, and when you're about the Father's business, you make it that more difficult, friend, for Him to get a hold of you. But here's the second reason why. Young people, listen to this. Do you not realize there is a whole generation out there that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ? I, I read in an article in the paper, I think it was just this past week, I think it was Olathe North starting a satanic club. Now, I, I, I'm just saying right now as a parent, man, I, there's no way I'd have my kids in public school. But please, listen, but please listen to this. And I get that, and I'm fine with all that because really, I mean, our kids need a Christian biblical view education. I, I'm all for that. But please listen to this. That's not the reason. That, that's no excuse for having our kids hiding our kids so much from this world that they got their head in, their, in the sand somewhere. That's all the more reason for our kids to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to see the next generation wonder Jesus Christ. You, you, know, you want to know what I'm praying for? Here's what I'm praying for in the youth department. I'm praying for God's hand to be on Tim and Anna Quinlan in that room over there that we just finally got finished and built. I'm praying for that thing to explode. Wouldn't that be awesome that we got to redo a wall and knock that thing out? No, that would not. No, no. That would be pretty awesome. Miss Anna had to make more cookies on Wednesday night. You, you didn't know you get cookies on Wednesday night? You should, you should come to the youth department. I can't wait till I get to be a guest speaker over there. Folks, I'm telling you, young or old alike, Jesus is 12 years old in the temple. There's no excuse for us to be, not be about the Father's business. 
Look, 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 look at something else here. Let me show you something else. This is pretty interesting. This is interesting here. And I, and I was telling my wife, I said, you know, I've, I've, I've gone through, I've read through the Gospel of Luke, but I've never really preached through it and really dove into it and studied and noticed so much stuff here. But I want you to look at verse 43. It says, And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, well, watch this right here. The child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they supposing him, but they supposing him to have been in the company when a day's journey, and when they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance, uh, they, you know, and they sought, they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance, and when they had found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. Of course, they come back and find him there in verse 46 in the temple. This is what I wrote down. If we're to be about our father's business, we, not only do we have to remove the excuse of age, we learn that there from Jesus and, as a 12-year-old boy, but we may also be required to sacrifice and give up things and people that are precious to us. We may be required to sacrifice and give up things and people that are precious to us. Yeah, I, I realize, and I, I venture to say you do as well, that we're living in a day where much of American Christianity preaches that you can live like the devil and still be used of God. But please listen to this. To this crowd that gets biblical preaching, <laughs> we know that's not the case. All right? We, we understand. We're called to be living sacrifices and to give up the world and the flesh and all of its ungodliness and wickedness in order to follow Jesus Christ and to certainly be used of Him. But, but, but according to the example of Jesus Christ in this scene, that's not the only thing that we may be required to give up. Notice again, verse 43 again. Let me just point this out. It says, And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, talking about Joseph and Mary, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. See, the idea here is this. Watch this. Though Joseph and Mary failed to keep track of Jesus and their large traveling party, and they left him behind for three days, it was also the Lord Jesus who chose to tarry behind. Now, now again, please, please, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point this out on several occasions. In fact, you can go down to verse 51 and see where it says that later on he's going to submit or subject himself to them. But please listen to this. This is not saying that he was disobeying his parents and committing an act of sin. Because the Bible says he knew no sin. This wasn't an act of sin, but rather sacrifice. The Lord Jesus was willing to give up his earthly family so that he could be about his father's business. The reality is he's not, he's not disobeying his true parent. Think about it. No, no, no. Just chew on that. Because the idea here is this, is that in the greater scheme of things, Jesus shows us that sometimes we may have to give up things that we hold in great value and there's nothing in and of themselves wrong with them, even people, in order to be about the Father's business. I couldn't help but to think of missionaries. 
called into a foreign land. And they required many of them to leave their family behind. And they would be required to leave their church family behind. They would go to another country, learn another language, live oftentimes in an entirely different culture. And I'm going to tell you something, that's not an easy thing to do. If it was, more people would be doing it. I certainly couldn't help but to think about Jack and Lizzie. Uh, Parker is their own deputation. And it may be by the end of this year, we're sending them to Japan. And I've got to be honest with you, it'll be bittersweet. Be bittersweet. But they give up these things because they're about the Father's business. I'll tell you something, sometimes preachers are required to do the same thing. Not everyone gets to pastor near or around their family or where they grew up. Sometimes they're required to pastor in frigid Kansas instead of Florida. I can remember Brother Eric calling me and going about Faith Baptist Church and coming up here. And you can ask him, one of the first things I said was, Brother, if the Lord ever moves me from Cassville and, and Bible Baptist Church, I was praying about the South. Be a fact, I had already gotten specific, the Southeast. Who wants to live in Texas? But here's what my family and I have learned. There's no better place to be in your life than in the will of God. There's no better place. If I could have stayed in Cassville, but that wouldn't have been good for them or us. And I could have moved towards the southeast or close to home, but again, that wouldn't, have been good. That wouldn't be good for them or us. You know where we need to be? We need to be at Faith Baptist Church in Olathe, Kansas. You know why? Because that's where God's called us to be, even though it requires us to be distant from our family and loved ones. L listen to me, because you know why? Because ultimately our Heavenly Father's the one that made that clear to us. You catching this? You catching this? Because it'd be better to do what He says to do. And I wouldn't trade, listen, I wouldn't trade anything, I wouldn't trade anything for the goodness and grace of God that's been on our family in my life. I'm so thankful for that. Listen to me, please listen to this. See, sometimes God's people are required to do the same things. <clears throat> I want you to listen to this. <clears throat> family can be wonderful and encouraging, but at the same time, family can also be a hindrance and even discouraging, especially if they're lost and carnal. And they can hinder you from being about the Father's business. In fact, Luke's gospel testifies of this, but I like the way Matthew's gospel says it. I want you to hold your place there in the gospel of Luke. Go with me to Matthew chapter 10. I want you to look at this. I actually read this in my Bible reading this morning. I already had it in my message. I thought it was pretty neat. Matthew chapter 10. Some people don't realize Jesus said this, and you need to realize it. Jesus said this. He's talking about somebody controversial. Matthew 10 verse 34, he said, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. Whoa. Then he goes on and says, For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now that part I could definitely get. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Whoa. And notice he goes on to say this. Listen to what he said. Look at verse 37. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and follow after, followeth after me is not worthy of me. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. If you're saved this morning, you're to be about the Father's business. Even if that requires you to sacrifice and give up something or someone. Watch this. And, and here, notice what he says at the end. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth, loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Did you catch that? Here's what he's saying. That if you'll submit yourself to being about the Father's business, that's where the grace of God's at. That's exactly what he's saying. I want you to think about this. Jesus gave up glory so that you and I could be here in our text and eventually go to the cross. He could be here in our text here and eventually go to the cross for you and me. So he would give up glory so that he could be in this scene right here and then go to the cross for you and me. But also consider this. As both God and man, having spent 12 years in the home of Joseph and Mary, I can't imagine how profound his love must have been for them. But yet he was willing to give them up so that he could be about the Father's business. I, I remember this. I was sitting in the, my pastor's office one time, and he's from the South. And I'm from the South. And he said this. He said, he said brother, he said, as Southerners, it, it's hard to, to give up family and to, and to go where God wants you to go. And I said, you know, I, yeah, I can relate to that. But you know what I've learned over the years of being in ministry and being around? That's not a Southern thing. That's a human thing. You know what a love for family is everywhere you go. And even as God's people, probably the people that we pray for most to be saved or to be in God's will for their life, it's loved ones, it's family. It's people that we love, we care about, we've grown up with. But I'm just telling you, sometimes family can stand in the way of being about the Father's business. Because they're lost or they've rejected the things of God. And, and when you're about the Father's business, it convicts them and so they don't want you to be. And what Jesus demonstrates in this scene is this, is that sometimes in order to be about the Father's business, you've got to tarry behind and separate and follow after Him. And that's what He's showing in this scene. Well, let me give you the third thing and I'm through this morning. Look at verse 51. So they understood in verse 50. They understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Why are you seeking me? I'm about the Father's business. I'm about seeking to save that which was lost. And then in verse 51, And he went down with them, so he left with Joseph and Mary, and came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But again, his mother, I love that, kept all these things in, his heart, in her heart. I, let me give you the last thing here this we're to be about the Father's business. I think not only do we need to remove the excuse of age, and we, we may even have to be required to sacrifice and separate ourselves from some loved ones or things that would be okay in our lives, but they're hindering us from serving the Lord. But here's the last thing. 
if we're to be about our Father's business, we also need to have a right view of authorities. Please, please again, this isn't to say that Jesus was being disobedient to his earthly parents, but this is to say that his time to be revealed as the Messiah to Israel and the world, and, and even to fulfill the Father's business of mankind's redemption, it was not yet. And understanding that, listen to this, Jesus Christ places himself under the authority and subject of Joseph and Mary, his earthly family that God provided for him. The point is to say this, when it came to the Father's business, Jesus wasn't some maverick. He wasn't acting in some rebellious spirit or attitude and, well, you know, I'm trying to do my own thing and I'm going to rewrite all the stuff. No, he came to fulfill. He was submissive to the Father's will and timing. He was submissive to the Word of God. He was submissive to Joseph and Mary until in Luke chapter 3 and verse 23 it points out that Jesus now being 30, about 30 years old would come on the scene and reveal himself as the Messiah and Son of God. <clears throat> and the Father's business would eventually be carried out because the Lord Jesus had a proper view and understanding of authority. You know, the one thing I hate about this point is that it comes at the end of the message. And this is the part where it's already afternoon and people are starting to get hungry and they're thinking about what they're going to eat and everything else when probably this is the most important. Do you realize how much your view of authority impacts so much in your Christian life? Well, according to the centurion soldier and Jesus Christ and their interaction, how you view authority is going to impact your faith. Because he had great faith because he understood authority. And do you not realize that we are living in a culture today that absolutely despises authority? And do you know what I found over my years of preaching? Is that typically what goes on out here, outside these walls, it trickles over into my life and your life if we're not careful. And I want you to listen to this, and you can take it for what you will. But if you're here this morning and you're not willing to submit yourself to the Word of God and the Heavenly Father's authority in your life, but yet you want to still claim that you're about the Father's business, you're really not about the Father's business. You're about your business. That's the simple truth of the matter. God's got a plan and a purpose already laid out for your life. You need to be saved. The way the Bible says, you Baptist, you just always want us to do the Baptist thing. No, 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 no. You need to do the Bible thing. I'm Baptist because I believe the Bible. And the Bible says this, there's only one way for man to be saved. You want to know what God's will for your life is? He's not willing. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. He wants you to be saved. You know what else he wants to do after you've been saved? He wants you to submit your life to the Father's business. He wants you to follow him in baptism. Wants you to follow him in baptism. Wants you to become part of one of his churches. Wants you to begin to live a life unto him, live holy, separated, serving him. Come on. No, no, no. Well, preacher, you just no, 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 no. 
That's the biblical pattern. Don't, don't look at me and go, well, I don't really need church. No, you need church. Christ died for the church. Gave himself for the church. I'm just saying to you, no, no, no. That's the Father's business. So these are all things that are laid out in his word. And if you're a rebel or you're a maverick and you're doing your own thing, you're not about the Father's business. You're about your business. And you got to understand this, that what God is looking for, He's not looking for somebody that will rebel and exalt themselves. He's looking for somebody that will humble themselves and submit themselves to His authority and His work. And that's when He uses you in a mighty way to fulfill His business. <laughs> you realize you can't accomplish the Father's business in your own strength and your own power anyway. I'm going to give you one of my favorite verses in the Bible. <laughs> it's in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. It says this, and some of you will know it. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. I've got to be honest with you, I think the eyes of the Lord are still running to and fro upon the earth just like they were back then. But do you, do you realize, li listen to this, do you realize that that's, that verse, is, that, that's, a wonderful, that's only a portion of the verse, and its context is actually negative. It's a rebuke to King Asa of Judah because there was an early part in his reign where he trusted in God, and there was a tremendous revival in the kingdom of Judah because of Asa's leadership. But then, after a period of peace and all of that, because of that, there came another enemy up against, uh, against uh, I think it was Baasha, against King Asa. And instead of trusting in God again, he looked to somebody, he looked to Egypt for help. And so Hananiah comes here, and he's actually rebuking Asa. Because Asa, instead of humbling himself and looking unto God and 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 having a right understanding of authority, he tried to do it in his own power and his own way. And the sad part is, he'd be diseased in his feet and die in bitterness. He would even have Hananiah that said this thrown in prison. What I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that, and I, well, preacher, this is Jesus. I mean, yeah, I get that. But do you understand that even Jesus shows us that God's economy is different than your economy and the mine? Right. It's going to be said about Jesus, listen to this, every knee's going to bow. And every tongue's going to confess that He's the Lord. But do you know why? Because He humbled Himself and subjected Himself to the authority of the Father and even down to the authority of Joseph and Mary. If God would do that, who in the world are we to think, well, I'm just going to do it my own way? Shame on us. That's not the Father's business at all. That's your business and mine. When God's waiting for us to humble ourselves, it'll be about His business. Just a couple of quick questions for you, and I'm done. Number one, do you know Christ as your Savior? Has there been a time and place where you called upon the name of the Lord and you were truly saved? Because that's the Father's business. That's why He came. And if you haven't received that, you're missing it. But if you have been saved, please listen to this. 
the greatest thing that you could ever do is to humble yourself and submit yourself to His authority and be all about His business for the rest of your days. Amen. Let's all stand this morning.